garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, Mid-South Gardeners. You are in the mid No, you're listening to Mid-South Gardening. Yes, you are. But you are in the Mid-South Garden as well. But it's dark out there, so be careful. <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> you know, when I got out this morning, Veda walked up and I said... You know, I wanted last weekend we were here and the sun was out this time of morning. And now it's dark out there. I'm like, which means what? Fall is on That's the way. Right. Fall is on the way. Go ahead, say it. It's oh, fall, y'all. y'all. I love it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And you know it's fall when you look outside the garden centers. Moms, moms, oh, and yeah. moms. Oh, heck yeah. You know, we got a truck in yesterday. I always tell you about. We got plants falling out into Popper Avenue, Veda. Mm-hmm. Moms, like you said, they're beautiful. You know, it makes me think of this time of year, cooler mornings. Yeah. Uh, pansies, violas, mm-hmm. ornamental cabbage, kale, peppers, vegetables, perennials. I mean, it's there's like, so much. yeah, That's... man, we're back into business again, you know? And folks don't think there's a lot, actually, to plant in the fall in terms of annuals. And then there's all the fall color just because you have to have fall color. In fact, I wrote down some notes last night. At some point this morning, we're going to talk about trees with fall mm-hmm. color and maybe some shrubs with fall that color. That sounds good. You maybe know? some berries. That's our big thing now, berries and fall color. And I don't know about y'all. My sweet mother, you know, when she was a younger lady, uh, her and her sisters would take a road trip in the fall up in the mountains, you oh, know, Virginia's yeah. or the Smoky Mountains, whatever, just to look at mm-hmm. fall color. I'm like... We did that when I was a kid. We did that every year when I lived in Charlotte, you know. Really? We'd run up and run, drive down the Blue Ridge Parkway, and it's just, it is spectacular. It is. So that is a thing. I mean, people will get out oh, yeah, there and, and make a trip, uh, right. you know, but here in the Mid-South, you know, depending on the weather, some years are better than others. You know, there are some years where everything just has beautiful fall color. And we'll talk about and there's a why. reason. Yeah, yeah. That is. yeah there's yeah. a lot yeah, of why is that? Jim, people reasons. get out there, the little leprechauns get out there at night, paint the paint the leaves, That's, right? Yeah, uh-huh, right. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, when I wanted to go see fall color, Dad would say, well, just run up there through the woods. Yeah. You'll just be fine. We don't have to go on a trip. <laughs> but, you know, when you go more toward that way, there is more fall color. Really, it's more intense, but we have some good years here. Oh, yeah. And this one might be a good one. It's, it's yeah, right that, now, that, it's, it's not bad. It's, yeah. it's dry, uh, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it's a little too dry. We're going to talk yeah. about watering going in the fall. And also, uh, at some point, we're going to talk about um, s- are organic insecticides really safe? Oh, my gosh, y'all, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't even started, and I'm done. <laughs> Well, people, they do need to hear that because so many people think that just because it has organic on there, and I love organic mm-hmm. products, don't get me wrong, and I sell them every day, all day long, but that doesn't mean that the, you can go out there and just bathe in these things and you get it mm-hmm. all over you and think, well, that's organic, no yeah. big deal, but right? But that's kind of obvious. Too much of one thing is dangerous. Too well, much food, too much running, too much anything gets kind of old um, and can do negative things but then i remember right when yeah we're talking about this now that the, the nicot- nicotine spray oh. that we used to use oh, remember the old, yeah the black old leaf 40 black leaf 40 yeah, yeah <laughs> nicotine sulfate. but it was Ooh. organic mm-hmm. you know used it on chickens quote. you know yeah. for lice. and mm-hmm. what's the problem with that 
Well, well, I can so tell you what the problem yes, is. Yes, I do. I'm throwing I, it to you. I, I sprayed it in a greenhouse one time, a sealed greenhouse, mm-hmm. uh, cause, and and it did work. Okay, but when I came out, it was like looking through binoculars yeah. on the wrong end. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my word! My hands were shaking, yeah. and I thought, you know, oh. I'm, I'm not going to do this again. Right, <laughs> right. But it was it was natural and safe. But you were like squished up in a greenhouse. And, and he's, and he's still greenhouse. feeling the effects. Yeah, you know? <laughs> look what happened. Yeah, <laughs> you became really. Smart. <laughs> but, okay. y'all, we do got some good days ahead of us. Like I said, getting up in the morning, feeling the cooler temperatures. You know, now it still gets warm during the day. We're still, mm-hmm. you know, summertime, Yeah, we're going to have two or three days of 90s here, but then yeah. it's going to get back down into the 80s next week. So. And uh, I'm going to pass out at 90 in the fall. Just fall out. <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of things, y'all, to do. You know, to me, fall is the planting season. Now, I know after, you know, a, an extended winter like we had last year, really any winter, and then spring comes around. We're so ready to get out there and get everything done. And I get it. You know, we do. But don't forget the planting season of fall. I mean, to me, especially when it comes to trees and shrubs. By far the best. And maybe even perennials to some extent. Mm-hmm. I think uh, so. Because you're getting all this stuff somewhat established as far as having a better root system on it before it gets hot the next year. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, it's fantastic. And so then that means... You're going to have a really good root system established in the summer, and you'll have a better time with your watering, and uh, your roots will be bigger, so mm-hmm. it can take up water more. So when you plant like in June, <laughs> July, which we do, yeah, you know, the, I've done it. Yeah, I've I have to do it. You know, when it when you see a plant, you just need to plant it. But then you, it, the roots don't root out as quickly, mm. and so you water just a little bit more, and it's tough on a plant really especially the last three weeks they couldn't even breathe as soon as it cooled down i saw new growth coming on yeah well it's one of those things where you know you can plant a shrub or a tree any day of the year if as long as you can dig the hole and the ground's not muddy right but we do go out there even midsummer and and dig the hole just as deep twice as wide and mend the soil like we always say get the tree or shrub planted but then there's the problem is if you go stay around and, and monitor and water this thing the way you should mm-hmm. you're fine yeah, how how many people do you hear say, oh, it'll be okay, I have irrigation? Exactly, Veda. And and then they're out of town for two weeks, they come back, and then they bring us a sample of, of the dead tissue. And then you start asking questions, and you're like, okay, you need to go check the moisture. It might be, like, say, under irrigation, for example. Well, first of all, the irrigation might not even be hitting the plant to start with. We see that all the time. But also, it might the water might penetrate maybe half an inch or an inch, not near enough mm-hmm. for this newly planted tree or shrub. Right. And then in some cases we see where it just stays sloppy wet. But if you can, you can plant. We're not saying you can't plant midsummer. We're just saying the optimal times to plant are going to be the spring and the fall. And in my opinion, fall is the best time. You know? Yeah, and if your soil's decent to good, it'll help more water absorb deeper into the root ball. So that would help some because a lot of times the soil's so tight that it won't go deep enough or it'll just roll off. You don't know how many times I've told people to go out there and get a trowel and dig a hole in your bed mm-hmm. and check the moisture. You know, I mean, there again, not one inch down, but, you know, down in the root zone, mm-hmm. especially on newly planted trees and shrubs. Because think about it, a plant is not going to just die, typically because of insect or disease, three months after you mm-hmm. plant it. 
nine times out of ten, it you is a... You killed it. You, yeah. Thank you, Jim. It Jim's, is a yeah. root-related it problem. It really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Jim says, you know, no plant wants to die. That's right. And I can, te- I can tell you he's so right. You either gave it something it didn't want, or it wanted something you didn't give it. You know? or, and there aren't any other options. Or you... you know, it's like being pregnant. Either or you're not. You're not. Well, <laughs> I tried to kill this plant, and, and it wouldn't. It was a impatient. It was in a container. We just didn't take care of it properly. It, it looked horrible. Uh, I wanted the container, mm-hmm. and I wanted it quick, and I'm looking around, where can I dump this? And mm-hmm. there was a, a tin pail, which you know will hold water. So I dumped some of the soil in there, and the impatience were in it, and then I dumped more soil on mm-hmm. the top of it. And then it got really wet, so I dumped the soil out instead of going and taking care of it. And then like three days later, the impatience had come up the side. Yeah. They didn't look good when I when they were planted, but when I tried to kill them, they came back. Well, so. I've got a. I wrote a little note. We'll talk about it uh, when we come back from the break. Um, I had a young lady bring me a sample, and it's one of those samples where when you get it, you look at it and you go, "Do you think you might want to move?" Right. And she's oh my like, goodness. "No." I said, "So you don't have a for sale sign in your front yard?" And it's like, "No, I don't." And I said, "Well, you might want to stick one out there." It was a sample of the chameleon plant. You know, oh, the hutenia. Yes. Yes, that, that, smell, that a neighbor smells like dead fish. Yeah, does. but uh, it's a beautiful ground cover, guys. And, and the sun, is. it's spectacular. Yeah, and a friend yes. had given her a sample of this two or three years ago, and now she is trying. She is digging through to the center of the earth trying to get rid of this stuff. I think I know her because <laughs> we had to try that one time. I said, I told her, mm, you don't want to pay us to dig every bit of that out. So we'll talk about if you ever plant a chameleon plant where should you plant it you know kind of like the bamboo three four right? houses down <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes wouldn't it be sort of it wouldn't be like the bamboo well we do have to run to a break so when we come back we'll just for the spreading yeah it's the, well you know i figure if you do it four houses down you might you will be have okay. moved or died before it gets to your house right and <laughs> That's amazing it'll go that far, but it'll just take over. Yep. Won't like it? I said, I think it, so. But it is a beautiful oh. ground cover, though. All know? right, we're going to run to a break real quick, but we can answer your gardening questions like um, what do you do with bamboo? And give us a call at 844 747 or 260-5926. The Lady 990, 107.9 FM, 990 AM, KWAM. Good morning and welcome back. We're answering your gardening questions yeah. after the break. So call toll-free, 844-747-8868. Well, you can call now. I said after the break. Yeah, you then give us a now. call if you're calling on the local line, 260-5926, 260 area code 901. Yep, area code 901-260-5926. And we welcome our affiliate over in Chattanooga that's joining us this morning and has for a month or so now. That's Nuga Radio, channel 92.7 FM. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you joining us and love to hear from somebody over in uh, East Tennessee. Yeah, good folks, you know. Uh, and we're talking about plants that initially they seem maybe benign and, and really pretty. Uh, and then you stick that one plant in the ground. And then the next thing you know, you close your eyes and open them and it's taken over yeah, your you landscape. Know, I have always thought that there should be warning labels mm-hmm. on plants. I agree. You I know, agree. on some plants. 
But, you know, we get stuck sometimes because what zone you're in. And since all our ta- our tags are the same. They're generic across yeah. the entire country. So yeah. one thing evasive here may not be there. But they don't even say chance what, of know, evasive in warmer climates. We sell a whole lot of barberries here, you know. And mm-hmm. up through the northeast, most all of them are, are banned. because Isn't that they, a saying? Yeah, you know. A barberry. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they'll oh. seed themselves. They'll even change the pH so that it's more suitable for themselves. I love that. Yeah. How plants can do that. Yeah. So, it is amazing. So uh, a chameleon plant should come with a warning. That's one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What other plant? I mean, bamboo. Yeah, and the I running bamboo. The running. Yes. Not the, you know, the clumping bamboo yeah. is not as bad. You can manage it. But Anemones. That can that, be. Yeah, yeah, I've seen But that's them. a good problem to have sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Oxides daisies. They <laughs> could take over. And you're thinking, And I just planted one of those, too. Did you? Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. See, that's good but because it's now you can tell us. It's such a long blooming season, you know. Yeah, it really is, and I did not think that they would even be that and, nice and then, just by yeah. the name anemone because yeah. I think of the little bulbs. Yeah. And then I can thank uh, Mr. Paul Little for this one. Uh, years and years and years and years mm-hmm. ago, he gave me this nice little ornamental grass called Northern Sea Oats, and he said, "Kitty, just put this thing in a pot or in the ground." So I put it in a pot on the patio. Well, the next Still thing you know, I'm, yeah. I'm digging up northern sea oats from every bed in every corner of my property. Love them. Yeah. Love them. Makes me think of the beach mm-hmm. every time I see one, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Or running to the beach every time I see one. But northern sea oats, just be aware. They look great, but they love to move around. Well, let's see. My northern sea oats is happening right now because, you know, sometimes you order things and uh, there's just not enough to fill a rack. So right. they add some other things. To fill the rack they, to get it to yeah, your property. Yeah, well, they loaded, um, came in. Un- they came and delivered the plants and we unloaded price and put them up i didn't get to see any of this happening and i went out to the yard and saw northern sea love them though and i thought who snuck this in mm-hmm. on me and so i'm wondering if it's going to be coming up all over the garden center or coming up over at central barbecue yes, it will. or coming up so midtown look out yep. yeah so here we go <laughs> we're going to have beautiful scenes of ornamental but then again, there are some cases where people want things to really spread. I mean, remember the old monkey grass, the spicata? No. You know, where they would put these in, in beds, and they wanted it to spread everywhere, which it did. And it, but but it, in the it, wrong direction. But it keeps spreading, Every of course. Every time in the wrong direction. Yeah. So, you know, most of your monkey grasses that you buy now are, there again, more clumping-type varieties, which are easily to ma- maintained, easy to manage. Uh, even Rebecca, Black-Eyed Susans. You know, a lot of people think, you know, okay, I'm going to put this great blooming perennial in my bed. Uh, you know, in three or four years down the road, you know, they're pulling them up and mm-hmm. giving them to their neighbors. But like I said, sometimes that's a good problem to have. It, it really is, you know. And, and, and I've said this before, but I think of thinning as just part of gardening. I agree. You know, it's it's not like, oh gosh, this is aggressive. I've got to worry about pulling this yeah. up. No, it's just like pulling weeds. It's part of gardening, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and if I want it, then I just realize I, I deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you, I planted northern sea oats and I've still got it coming up. <laughs> Um, you know, and but every year I'll leave one or two. Oh yeah, then mm-hmm. when they come up in the right places, and just because I I really do love those the the appearance mm-hmm. of them. Uh, another one that I I made a mistake and planted was 
autumn clematis. Mm-hmm. You I'll say that's a beautiful really? blooming. When and it, that takes over? Oh, gosh, yes. I ha- yeah. I, I and that's the fall blooming you're talking about. I had about. to spray oh, it with, right. r- with Roundup a couple of well, no, It's been uh-huh. probably five or six years ago. It had just overtaken a fence, and I really felt like it was going to pull the fence over. Um, See, but that's there again, mm-hmm. to me, that would be a great problem to have. And it's right. blooming now, but isn't it? But it seeds and comes up. Mm-hmm other places exactly. where you really don't want it yeah. uh, and so and i'm still pulling seedlings you know and the main plant's been gone so here's so. one i wonder if it's for a zif- different zone because i haven't seen it happen here the crocosmia mm. i have never seen it you know it does reproduce but mm-hmm. i've never seen it become overly Invasive. aggressive yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking, because when I'm looking at articles and it gives you 14 plants that could be evasive, but some are here, but some are not here. So then that makes me realize they're writing for all kinds of different zones that they write about. Yeah, and then think some of them, you know, became so invasive that uh, they actually took them off the market. For example, Mm -hmm. privet. You know, we used to sell privet, weeping privet, variegated privet, every kind of privet you'd ever want. But the birds would get the seeds, drop them in the woodlands, and the next thing you know, your whole underbrush and, uh, and every forest around here was nothing mm-hmm. but privet. But, you know, in this case, Tennessee is the only one that's banded. You know, all the surrounding states, you yes. can still buy it. Yes, you can. Doesn't make any sense. But that, but is, a, that is a case where, you know, it's you're closing the gate after the cows are right, gone. I right. mean, you know, and, and this little very, I mean, little golden privet that's that's being sold now, was it sunshine mm-hmm. privet? Yes. Okay, it that it's advertised heavily in in the better homes and gardens or whatever you know thing it's in uh one of those plant advertising groups mm-hmm. um that's southern uh, southern living i mm-hmm. think is one of these but the bad thing is you know they it, won't allow it sold in in tennessee even though it is sterile Okay, it's never. No one's ever seen it produce seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it first came out, I had a conversation with the lady over in Nashville who makes these decisions, mm-hmm. and she was quite adamant. You know, yeah. as long as she was there, it ain't yeah. happening. Yeah, I'd be darned, and really for no scientific reason behind it at Th- all. There's not. But, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of proof that has shown that it isn't, uh, doesn't seed. But it but. had the name. It yeah. is. It is a descendant and of privet. And that sounds like one of uh, one of those perfect shrubs. I can think of all kinds of places to put that. Oh, yeah. And now they're saying no. All right, we're going to run to a break. So y'all give us a call at eight four four seven four seven eight eight six eight. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, on the Mighty 990 and 107.9 FM, KWAM. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Vader with Palladio. Yes, you are, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim. He's Jim you got to expound today. on that, Mr. Jim. He's Jim today. I'm just no retired nurseman. Yeah, I love him. Mm-hmm. You know, used to control. call him grumpy, but he's not grumpy at no. all. I'm on two new, two additional medications now. See? Keep that from Aww. happening. Are you out eating those plants that are medicinal? No. <laughs> I go to a real doctor, not a witch doctor. No, here we go. Here we go. Well, now, why are people that use holistic hearing witch doctors? 
and a holistic okay. healing. All right, well, 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 let's just look at that. Okay. <laughs> no, we can't because I very and firm have used it and I'm good. Yeah. You don't want to hear <laughs> okay, the science behind it, Mr. Jim. That's are, not science. Are if you I'm going good. to die at some point? Yes. Well, so am I. But I want to extend it and I want to feel good well, until it, I die. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to add years to the end of my life when I'm old and decrepit. Yes. <laughs> if that's it a added thought. it in the center, it would be different. <laughs> that's <Okay. a> thought. <laughs> True story. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't um, thought about that before. Like, well, do I really want Yeah. How far do we want to extend yeah. this, right, guys? But if you want to give us a call this morning, it's really easy. 844-747-8868. Or if you're calling from just the local number, it's 901-260-5926. And tell Jim, you, f- oh, you do have I mean, to have both doctors. I, you can't just live on holistic, though. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you do have to have both. And we are broadcasting today from our flagship station, KWAM in Memphis, Tennessee. We welcome our other affiliates, uh, particularly Nuga Radio in Chattanooga, 92.7 FM. And tell your friends they can listen nationwide at kwamradio.com. Yep, and then you can always go to Facebook, uh, Facebook Live, The Mighty 990, and there's Miss Data right there. You you can send us us a text. text. Yeah. All right, guys, we know that fall is coming up. And if you're like me, you know, you just have to have grass in every square inch of your yard, right? If you're like you. Yeah, if you're like me. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I just, I I won't, I need grass out there. It's beautiful, too. And, you know, we all know that depending on how much sun or shade you do or don't get, it's going to dictate what type of grass is or isn't going to grow, correct? You know, you see a lot of Bermuda here in the Mid-South. You see a lot of Zoysia here in the Mid-South. And you see a good bit of fescue here in the Mid-South. And the reason I'm bringing this up is cooler temperatures mean it's getting time to go out there in the shady spots where Bermuda and Zoysia will not grow mm-hmm. and plant that fescue seed. We can talk about fescue because it's fall, y'all. Yeah, and we're almost. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but fescue, guys, is a, it's a beautiful grass that will go uh, grow in the, uh, up under these trees where, like I said, Bermuda and Zoysia won't grow. You know, Bermuda needs at least six hours of sun or more. Zoysias need three to four hours of sun or more. And if you're getting less than that, then unless you can create more light and you want grass like me, you're going to have to plant fescue. But if you ever plant fescue and people are starting to sow it now, this weekend, you know, they felt that little chill in the air uh, this week and we're starting to sell fescue seed. But just the general rule of thumb, if you've got bare ground out there, you do want to rough that ground up. Okay. Rough it up, lightly till it up, aerate it, do something. And you can go out there and sow that seed out there. But then the key is to come back and lightly scratch that seed in mm-hmm. or come back and lightly cover that seed. I just see me on hands and knees taking my hands and Yeah, just kind of massaging it in. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you can lime, you know, the same day you put your seed down. You can put a little fertilizer down even the same day you put your seed down. But the only thing the seed needs to germinate is moisture, and it does. Uh, you get a you get a faster and more even germination if that seed is lightly covered. A lot of times we see people go out there up under these trees where they have no grass at all, hard packed ground, and they sow the seed out there without doing any prep work at all. Well, the next thing you know, the next rain, the seeds are down in the curb, going down the drain. Okay. So rough that soil up, lightly cover that seed, and keep it moist on a consistent basis, and then it'll be up in 10 days, two weeks' time. Right, because you've got to get it in early, but not too early. You can't do too late because then you get the leaf drop on the lawn. 
And you have troubles cleaning the leaves off without tearing out the tender um, fescue. So what a timing. Just not too early, not too late. And I I think we're just now getting there. It's just now getting time to think about putting fescue down. I was talking to a guy yesterday that was buying some, and he always likes to get it down just like you just said, Ms. Veda. He wants to get it down as soon as he can, weather permitting, get it up, get it growing, because he knows later on he's going to have to try his best to keep the leaves from piling up on this fescue. So he wants it somewhat established before he starts getting the leaves off. Now, whether you cut them off or whether you blow them off or gently rake them off, you cannot let the leaves pile up on this fescue. And then the other argument, Jim, you know more about this probably than I do, is, you know, what, and they do you too, what, you know, what brand, what type of fescue you know, do I put down? A lot of people, you know, remember years ago, we would sell creeping red fescue, bluegrass, falcon, titan, all these different fescues, you but know. did they do better years ago because <clears throat> we were slightly cooler? No, I, I mean, would, it's about, you know. Because I mean, we changed completely. Well, but now what, they, what the companies typically have done uh, and what we sell uh, predominantly is just a blended fescue. I mean, whether it's five-star fescue or five-star extreme, those are, you know, blended fescues, and, and the beauty of them is you're not relying on just one fescue. You've got five fescues to fall back, or four more to fall back on. Some of them are better for disease uh, retention. Some of them uh, are green up, you know, uh, faster. Some of them are more heat tolerant, but they blend all those wonderful assets together so overall you've got a better because if you have this type of year this seed will work if you have that type of year jim's actually here yeah i am i'm just listening no you're supposed not listening to us (laughs) you're supposed to be participating (laughs) now jim and and do you do you you've got fescue in in parts of no i don't i don't i've got uh Every place I, where I could put zoysia, I did. Yeah. But I've got some Bermuda that was there when we moved in. But the zoysia is slowly encroaching on it. And at yeah. some point, I hope to be able to kill the Bermuda out of it. But, uh, yeah, the zoysia is just, to me, it's it's if you treat it properly, it only needs about half as much um, nitrogen and mm-hmm. food to maintain a good uh, turf. You don't have to cut as much. You, you do usually need to bag it because mm-hmm. it... It's high in silica, and it, it, if you throw it in a compost pile, you know, in six months, it's still there. It's browned, but it's still there. Uh, it's very hard for it to break down, um, and it it can contribute to thatch, although technically grass clippings aren't thatch. It's roots and stolons right at the ground level. Uh, yeah, yeah. But because it can build up on top of it, uh, it can actually shade out your grass and make your thatch worse or appear worse. Um, so you could so. use that humate and put it all over your yard. And this humate, will activate Yeah, it, it yeah. creates more carbon, which will create a breakdown quicker of the thatch. Right. But um, In fact, what I wrote down was, you know, the, the fescue seed, you need it. Lime, potentially, and if you're not sure about your lime, get the pH tested because you want that pH around 6.5 yeah. out there in that fescue lawn. Uh, fertilizer, and there again, whether you put a fertilizer down the day you put your seed down or whether you put it down three weeks later, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the germination itself. It's just convenient to put it down the same time you're putting the seed down. And then I wrote down the soil activator beta, and we all know that there is, it's called two things. It's called uh, soil activator, and then the other one is uh, 
uh, what's the other name? Um, I, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't. It was, it's, it's humic acid. Is well, or hum- humic, you know, or yeah, humic humane, acid. Yeah. But years ago, what it was that? called uh, dethatch. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and you could put it on your lawn to naturally dethatch your lawn. Um, but it is a great product to put down when you're putting that fescue seed down, also. And you can just put it down mm. anyway. Oh, yeah, Yeah, it's great for your lawn. But if your lawn's suffering, you can either put a truckload of compost down or just put the granule or the liquid Mm -hmm. soil activator. Which is humic acid. Yeah, that'll pump up everything. don't forget the water. That's still probably the most important thing. As soon as you hit that seed with the first Mm -hmm. water, it plumps up, and then it starts to put out that little feeder root to get down into the ground. Right. And if that seed is allowed to dry... It's toast before it germinates, yeah, because then you kill the embryo in the seed. Right, so you want to make sure that you keep it on the muddy side until you see the grass up and growing. Uh, And it's still, you know, this time of year, fescue is a high water demand plant because we're typically under trees, which are high water demand plants. Yeah. So, you know, if you're not giving it two inches of water a week, you're not going to maintain a good fescue turf. And that's after established. Yeah, and that's at least twice as much as, you know, you need for fescue, I mean, for zoysia and bermuda. And then, like I said, just, you know, raise your lawnmower as high as it'll go. Cut it high when it needs cutting. Don't let it get so tall where it just falls over. <laughs> Excuse me. And then also, you know, like we said a while ago, when it, when the leaves start coming down, make sure that you keep those leaves uh, off that fescue as best you can. You can't keep every leaf off, but you surely don't want the leaves piling up on it. And we're recommending, you've probably heard us <clears throat> recommend it numerous times, a pre-emergent to keep your weeds from coming up. But you don't use a pre-emergent to keep your fescue from coming no, up ma'am. because that's what's going to happen. Yes, ma'am. It, yeah, I mean, people are putting pre-emergents down in the fall and and we see it every year it happens every year people will put a pre-emergent down in the same area that they're going to come back and put fescue seed down well it's going to keep that fescue seed from coming up also so don't put the pre-emergent down in the areas where you plan on coming back and applying fescue potentially (laughs) we're like there's just so much good information pouring (laughs) out here it's wonderful But well, I mean, um, but it is a beautiful grass, though, guys. I it, love it. It is. And yeah. then let me say this really quick, also. Uh, you know, a lot of people get ryegrass and fescue uh, mixed up. Uh, ryegrass is also a beautiful grass, but it is just a winter grass. You sow that rye in the fall; it's going to come up no in no time. It's going to look great in the fall, just like fescue would. It's going to look great in the winter. It's going to look great in the spring. But as soon as it gets hot, that ryegrass, whether it's in sun or shade, is going to burn out. You know, it's gone. Where the fescue is more of a permanent grass in the shade. So yeah. keep those two. And, of course, you get over into, uh, like in Chattanooga, you can have a few more options. You can grow some bluegrass, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and there's some now that are quite heat tolerant, not quite heat tolerant enough for Memphis, but yeah. they'll do fine over there. Um, you know, I've never been a big fan of creeping red fescue because it's not red and it doesn't creep. But other than that, that's you what know, I wondered. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, I was wondering if it would do better in Ch- Chattanooga because uh, yes, our zones will. are similar, but they have probably more cooler nights. They have better little... drainage, and that's kind of oh. key. Also, you can yeah. get deeper root development. You know, mm-hmm. if you out where they grow fescue for seed, it gets four feet tall, and the roots get four feet to ten feet deep. I mean, it penetrates the soil. You know, here in our heavy clay soil, if you don't 
till it two or three inches deep, that's that's all the root you're really going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, it will hit the hard pan and just flatten out. Uh, and so it's close to the surface, which makes it dry quicker. It, you yeah. you have more roots per cubic inch than you would if it were good soil. So yeah. you end up with a plant that is constantly thirsty um so anyway it's um, it's a it's a good grass but you know my thoughts are that if you've got a, a large area under trees it wants to be a woodland let it oh, be no, a you wood no you no, want grass no, 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 no we just grass. like spots here <laughs> no. of it's or just no no grass you know it's like bermuda will not grow in the shade unless there is a is making the shade they'll uh, go right up underneath that all right we're gonna head to a break y'all can give us a call at 901-260-5926 good morning gardeners welcome back to mid-south gardening and uh, we're here to answer your gardening questions. And to just entertain you. So. Yeah, because yeah. we entertain ourselves all the time. It's funny. And if you want to give us a call, 844-747-8868, 844-747-8868. And then, of course, 901-260-5926, which is 901-260-KWAM. And anywhere in the country at kwamradio.com. You got it. And we had uh, someone text in and says, what product works uh, as far as putting a pre-emergent down? There are lots and lots and lots of pre-emergence on the market. Uh, the one that we've sold for quite a few years now is high-yield weed and grass topper containing Dimension. So we just call it Dimension. Dimension is a really good pre-emergent, uh, one of the newer generations of pre-emergents. Uh, it keeps uh, a lot of broadleaf weed seed, well, basically all broadleaf weed seed and grassy weed seeds from coming up. Uh, but the beauty of it is, not only can you put it in your lawn, you can also apply it to your beds. Uh, as long as it's not a vegetable bed, if it's an ornamental bed, you can sling that stuff up there, water it in, and you're, you know, have that pre-emergent coverage for at least three months. Uh, but Dimension is the one that we surely sell. Remember back in the day when you had one pre-emergent for your yard and one for your lawn well one for the yard and one for the beds yeah 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 <laughs> is the yard and the lawn the same we're gonna call thing? that the same yeah <laughs> can you do that for but me but you're right i mean you had to get a couple different pre-emergents one for the lawn like you're talking about vaden one for the bed we had pendimethalin which was yeah. twice a year usually application because you just didn't want to put it down more often than that um and then uh, we had preen and we had preen, which is Trefland, does a great job on grassy stuff, but it's not the best broadleaf weed. What preventer. was the one before pendulum? It, uh, I can't think of um, the one before the portrait. Remember, we had portrait, we had gallery, portrait, which and, is gallery, which yeah. is an excellent yeah. one, and and particularly for things like gripe weed, it's you know it will control. Is that it. related to you, gripe weed? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little <laughs> small version of me. But but you don't have to do that anymore. Uh, right. Like I said, for the lawn and the beds, uh, the dimension you can put it on all of those. We now, Eptam, which was an mm-hmm. excellent herbicide. I uh, remember that one. It would even help prevent Bermuda from encroaching into a bed i mean it was it was a good thing How, however it played havoc on bulbs yeah you know i do so remember you, that you can't put it couldn't put it in and then surfland is a you know that's was a liquid that you could remember. spray over the top of your plants yeah and that's a good one uh but well but, my my question was actually i'm thinking good, we have a question yes, Go right yes. Ahead, ma'am. okay my question <laughs> is <laughs> so um 
if we're like I'm looking at ways to um, be more efficient and every little bit helps in terms of cleaning the world or you know keeping things clean so this would be an approach in that direction you now don't you have to use can't you use less of our pre-emergent that can go in both the lawn and the flower beds you mean the dimension well yeah it depends i mean it has a you have to put the recommended rate down Mm -hmm. to get control and let's just say is you know three pounds per thousand square feet if you use it at that rate, it's going to give you coverage for about 90 days, for about three months. Yeah, it'll last a little longer than yeah. that, but Which is your very coverage goes yeah. down. But you can right. also put gotcha. it down at a heavier rate, mm-hmm. and all that means is you have a longer residual. Instead of lasting up for up to three months, it will last up to, you know, what, five months, Jim. Right. So, yeah, but you still have to put it down at at least the minimal mm-hmm. uh, application to get that that residual yeah, I was if you will. wondering if the advancement of the pre-emergence and getting them mixed together <clears throat> for both areas if it made it more concentrated well you know tw- what a 12 pound bag of dimension will cover uh, up to 3,000 square feet you know so that's a little bit of product mm-hmm. over a large area then um, on cool season grasses it'll go even further yes you know why is that um because uh, um, you weren't expecting me to say that we'll, we'll, out of the music. We'll talk about that yes, when it comes back that's from, a, the, from our break. Good topic. And y'all can give us a call even on the break, 844-747-8868. We'll be back. garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning welcome back to mid-south gardening we have completed our first hour and have two more to go yes Fantastic. we do yes we do i'm Beto with palladio yeah and i'm kenneth with dan west garden center and i'm jim crowder retired nurseryman and i am the administrator of our facebook group mid-south gardening mm-hmm. we have about seven thousand members and we invite you to invite all your friends uh to join it it's a place where you can brag you can ask questions um and it's uh, it's a good site we yes, got lots of good information there kenneth's going to talk about fall color here or something and uh, we have an excellent file there that I wrote several years ago called it, Planting for Fall Color. And how do you, how do you get to that, Jim? You go to Mid South Gardening, Mid South Gardening uh, gr- Facebook group, and right. then once you've joined, there is tabs across the top, and one of them says Files, gotcha. and you go there, and we have lots of files on fruit varieties, planting for moist in wet moist areas um, fall color fall mm-hmm. color poisonous plants wow uh, so any lots of good stuff in there for you just to to read it is a great uh, and i've been on there every time i open facebook i mean there it is mm-hmm. and people are sending in pictures and asking questions and you know every chance i get i'm looking at that yeah. stuff i mean you can learn any everything you're getting lots of good advice i don't get a chance to look at facebook very much but i do look at the uh, gardening page right and i'm scrolling through and i'm like oh there's a question i want to answer right. so i get halfway through and i'm going oh how do i spell that how do i spell that <laughs> <laughs> and i'm going okay wait they need me over there 
Yep. Forget and then, it. yeah, the answer's not being answered by right. this data. Yeah. And if you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. And then there's another number, uh, 844-747-8868. And then, of course, you can go to radio... Uh, KWAMradio.com, and you can listen live. And also, if you go to our our Facebook, uh, I mean, our um, so KWAM many. Radio website you can look at all of our past or listen to and and look at veda because we put her in front of the camera uh that's for your own protection um and and uh, but you can look at all and listen to all of our previous broadcasts there you know yeah. if you remember some hey they said something last mm-hmm. week that i want to go back and listen to again yeah. i listen yeah. to us because you know. <laughs> I like to get the extra knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to do that years ago, back when they recorded things on cassettes. Uh, yeah. You know, the, back in our long time ago, uh, I'd listen to them when I, tra- I traveled because I drove most of the time during yeah. one of my jobs. So yeah, uh, and I can't believe I said that. I would have. Yeah, no, I know. He was going to tell us. What did I ask you? Oh, why? You asked me yeah. why go? Why pre-emerges go further on sh- on shady grass than it does on. Uh, on Bermuda's warm season Georgia, grass, yeah. and it has to do with the amount of ground that's exposed. Fescue grows in a clump, and those clumps, if they're planted properly, are really side by side. Yeah. That way, you, you don't get, um, you don't feel the clumps when you walk on them. You know, it's like <laughs> we used point. to the when we used to have just really Kentucky Thirty One fescue. Kentucky Thirty One, which is a great fescue, but it is a field grade fescue. Yeah, it's very coarse, and if you've got just three clumps there and step on one of them, you will twist your ankle. Yeah. You know, so we planted it so close together that yeah. um, you could actually walk on the turf. Uh, so, but that's the way fescue grows. It, it grows very close together, so you have less soil exposed than you do with zoysia or Bermuda that creeps across the top of the that ground. Makes sense. Right. So you put more down, of course, on the Bermudas and zoysias than you typically have to because you the have more soil exposed. Yeah. And I tell you what. Fescue is the thing that confuses me, too. Colleen, Texas, uh, where um, had the first... Actually, uh, we rented it from the person that I worked for. So they were upgrading the yard, the landscape, and everything, which was perfect because I got a lot of ex- new experience because they were upgrading that house. And what part of Texas? Colleen, Texas. Colleen, Texas. Colleen, okay. Texas. And um, so there was fescue in that yard. Yeah. And uh, the owner was like, you know... Fescue's not supposed to live here. It's hot. We're just going to throw, you know, kind of work the soil up some, but didn't rake everything out, clean it out. We're just going to throw the Bermuda sod on. No, it was, what's that? St. Augustine sod. St. Augustine sod. We're going to put St. Augustine over it. And then in about a month, the fescue grew up from the seams of the mm-hmm. pieces of sod. And I'm, we're thinking, how, if fescue doesn't work here at all, is it growing up between the sod? And so it's like you'll see clumps of it in various places, but you can't get a green lawn. Well, I mean, you go to Kansas City and St. Louis and some of these other places. I mean, fescue is the predominant mm-hmm. grass. I mean, it is, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, driving through a neighborhood and seeing nothing but fescue lawns out there. We're typically here in the mm-hmm. Mid-South. You see more Bermudas and Zoysias uh, yeah. than you do fescue. Around here, like I said, fescue is typically just for the shade. But real quick, and I'll get off fescue, is... You know, like I mentioned earlier, typically most of your garden centers are going to have five-star fescue or five-star extreme fescue. 
Uh, the five-star fescue is the one that we've sold for the last 30-something years, uh, and it's just that blended fescue. The five-star extreme is also a blended fescue, but it's got five different hybrid fescues than what you find in regular five-star. And typically speaking, the five-star extreme should be able to tolerate even deeper shade. So if you've got an area that is flat out, I mean really shady, you're probably a little better off getting the five-star extreme than you are just your regular five-star fescue. So keep that in mind. Can uh, Greenville, Mississippi grow fescue? Well, okay, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. If, if you're, um, as long as you're giving it the proper care, do the proper soil prep on the, the top end, uh, keep it watered thoroughly in the shade, uh, yes, now it's going to burn out if it's in sunny areas some, mm-hmm. but you know, pretty much anywhere you have to do some reseeding with fescue, uh, either because of traffic walking on it or um, just just the y- summer heat. Mm-hmm. Summer heat, even when you know, because a lot of times here lately it's been hotter in Minnesota than it was here. Right? Yeah, you know? that's so, true. Uh, you know, there's it's 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 stressed so uh it's just something you have to do it's just part of growing fescue expect to do some reseeding well i want to switch over to milkweed what a switch milk speaking of milkweed hard to walk on milkweed is yeah the tall one you know oh yeah that would be hard i'm going wait wait are we talking about the same thing because i'm talking about milkweed the sclapius so one thing that was really fun to watch is you know you get the pods mm-hmm. on the milkweed after it blooms and then you get the milkweed bugs is mm-hmm. my best way to call them and they're just all over the pods and people freak out on them but they're really pretty but i leave them and and you should leave them because they're what helps pollinate because they eat and work on that outer um, pod and as they do it starts opening up and the seeds just blow everywhere yeah and i've seen them of course not just on that pod i've seen them Mm -hmm. up and down the whole length of that milkweed yeah it's just it's pretty because of the colors (laughs) but then it's kind of gross because the amount but I don't. You, everybody wanted to spray it. Oh, spray this bug! Spray this bug! I'm going. Oh, let's leave this one. And it looks like if you look read about them, it's actually I think it's called milkweed bug. Yeah, that's. Uh, it looks like yeah. a box elder bug almost, that's kind of a reddish what, yeah. orange looking bug, and people do freak out because you don't see one, you see thousands on this milkweed. So see, y'all need to have milkweed because number one, it attracts um, butterflies. Yep, the, cat- well, the caterpillars. Yep. Yeah, the caterpillars, and then um, you get to watch the pods and you get to see the bugs and. And then you get to watch the beautiful seeds because they're silky. Mm-hmm. They're silky with a little seed on each one, and that helps them spread farther. Well, and then it goes to, you know, if you go out there and look hard enough, you're going to find insects on mostly anything and everything mm-hmm. you have in your landscape. Uh, and, you know, I don't mind a few lace bug on my azaleas. I don't mind a few milkweed bugs mm-hmm. on my milkweed. Uh, you know, it's just the way it is. But... It's just when it when when things get out of hand, whether it's you know mealybugs, whether it's uh, cottony leaf hoppers, whether it's spider mites on down the line, that's when we got to go out there and do some spraying. Mm-hmm. But then you got to ask oh, yourself. Oh, oh wait a minute! I just got it, Jim. The milkweed's too tall to walk on. <laughs> we were talking about the lawn. And then I went to milkweed. I got it. It so, might take I'm a like, minute, but she'll, she will she will get it, Jim. I'm thinking about this, going, <laughs> what? What? Okay, sorry. But I was, I was saying, you know, mm-hmm. typically when we start having a horrible problem with insects or even disease a lot of times, you've got to figure out, okay, what is the problem? Why am I having these right. problems? You know, I mean, yeah, I know I can go out there and apply fungicide to kill any pathogen that I'm trying to kill. 
or insecticides to kill insects that I'm trying to kill. But then you got to try to figure out why am I having these problems? Mm-hmm. So it's it's easy to correct the problem immediately, but long term yeah. you need to think about why am I having this problem? That's what I mean with holistic healing. Is it's the same for humans? It is is for plants, and we're especially made up of the same things. But if something's wrong, I'm trying to figure out why first, and then if it's a nutritional deficit or or just whatever, then I work on preventing that. But sometimes it's way past that. So don't ever think that you don't go to the doctor. But sometimes then all of a sudden, you know, I'm trying to be preventive and take care of everything. But because we don't have the um, native stuff here in our yard all the time, then it's hard to get the right conditions. So then you have to bump it up to a little bit stronger of the pesticides or insecticides or the fungicides. Well, I mean, had a a lady into the garden center uh, day before yesterday, her and her husband. And they had a beautiful stand of Pachysandra. I mean, absolutely beautiful, and it's been beautiful, mm-hmm. okay? Well, all of a sudden, uh, you had some areas that just started turning brown and dying out. And it had little white bumps all over the leaves mm-hmm. of the Pachysandra, which is scale, okay? Yeah. Um, so he brought me some pictures, and he had Volutella disease, and he had scale insects. Neither one of those do you want on Pachysandra. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the glaring things that you could see in this picture was there's a sprinkler head right there, okay? And it's keeping that whole area just entirely mm-hmm. too wet. So, you know, not only did he need to get in there and clean it all up, get all the dead tissue out of there, spray for the scale, spray mm-hmm. for the disease, okay, but now we got to do something about this, this sprinkler head. Right. You know, is it working the way it should? Is the zone where it's staying entirely too wet? Probably mm-hmm. so. So that's my point. You always have these underlying conditions that cause right. that insect or that disease. Yeah. yeah, and one mistake people make is with the sprinkler systems, they set it up to run season long. Right. Okay. You know, well, in the middle of July, it may need that much water or run that much time. But in early spring or late in fall, as it's starting to go dormant, it doesn't need that much yeah. water. Mm-hmm. And actually, you cause the problem because of not being not paying attention to the needs yeah. of the plant. Yeah. So you're working on trying to change the situation instead of just spraying and spraying and spraying. Well, yeah. That's why they don't work. And this just came can't. back to just water. I mean, it was yeah. too much water. Yeah. Okay, we got to run to another break. Uh, y'all should give us a call, 901-260-5926 and 844-747-8868. And we still have plenty to talk about, but if y'all want to call and see if you can stump us, mm. dun, 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 give us a call. That and we'll happening. be right back. <laughs> the Mighty 990 KWAM and Mighty990.com. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 844-747-8868. Okay, remember last time uh, we were about to go out from our third hour, and I was trying to tell you something, and you had to interpret it for me, but I thought it was so interesting. It was about the uh, lab-grown emerald boars. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say that again. The lab, lab-grown lab gotcha. emerald well, that's boars. that's the, the parasitic wasp to control the emerald ash borer. Yes. Okay. And so right. they're researching by injected them with parasitic wasps, and it's uh, multiplying in the emerald ash borer. 
and it can produce so many. So then they're taking all those and letting them go and see if they can naturally, with insects, control the emerald ash borer. But I can say that last time you had to interpret it to me because I couldn't say parasitoid wasp. Is that I say it right? Well, and that freaked me out. Yeah, but, but, yeah, it's <laughs> no, easier. To, it it's me. easier to say parasitic wasp. Parasitic, and they said parasitoid. Right. That's what messed me all up. So I just wanted to clarify that because we were jumping back and forth trying to figure out what it was, and they said the agency produced. 550,000 of them and released them over 240 sites. But I haven't gotten an update on that to see how well this is working. Yeah. But it sounds kind of, it's interesting because it of is. the way science yeah, but is. But then you get those that you know are concerned about genetically modifying anything oh like that. Because, all right, let's just say that it, it works mm-hmm. and wipes out the emerald ash borer. Which would be a good thing. Right. The question is then, is it going to mutate mm-hmm. and end up affecting something else well uh, hopefully they that figured... was unintentional mm-hmm. yeah you know, because and... you know let's just say it mutates and decides to hit a particular caterpillar mm-hmm. okay. that might be a beneficial that may be a right maybe a, a an important pollinator mm-hmm. so many of our good pollinators are rather insignificant yeah. moths and yeah, butterflies right. So there's mm-hmm. always that concern, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like they tested them, lab-grown. All this is lab-grown. They probably didn't bring other insects in to see the reaction. But that well, would be but so also, random to do well, that. Well, I mean, you can do that, but even over time, Things, organisms yeah. can change. And that's know? because yeah. it's genetically modified that they can change yeah, and evolve you're crea- you're creating a different. new subspecies of a of an insect yeah, you know but, a few years back they were t- working and they may still be working with a mosquito that they had genetically oh, yes. modified that was uh, would not reproduce right okay so um but there was the fear that what happens if we let this thing go in the wild so they did all the testing in a sealed greenhouse high up in the Alps, sure. where they knew that if it got out, right. it would not survive in the cold. Right, uh, and they just they did mm-hmm. all their research up there. And you know, think about that if you could something like you know four hundred thousand very young infants die every year from from uh, malaria. Uh, what if you can wipe out the malaria right. mosquito? You know, yeah. that it would be a wonderful thing. Well, so. this one, though, wouldn't be genetically modified because they're taking a natural wasp that's already in the nature and putting it with a thing that happens naturally. So would it be hard to change anything if this is all a natural evolution, but we're making it bigger? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's that, one way to go. Yeah. But, I mean, even think about it. We've got like one minute. Think about crate myrtle bark scale. Mm-hmm. Crate myrtle bark scale is a, it's an Asian scale. I mean, they've had it forever, okay? Uh, but we've had it for the last 10 years. It's not a brand new organism. It's not even genetically modified organism. But it is new to us. And you we know? don't have predators that naturally feed them. Right. Not enough. Right. Yeah. So it's like, right. you know, whether you're introducing a new species like crate myrtle bark scale to our area and we we all see what it does to crate myrtles or you're 
introducing a new species that's been genetically modified right you know to an area i mean there can be really good things that can happen but there can be really bad things that happen there can you know and the president of mexico has just recently uh, banned all genetically modified plants and any chemicals used on them Mm. Um, like so roundup ready corn which is you know about 88% of the corn produced is wow. Roundup Ready corn. So this is, uh, there's some interesting things will happen. People are going to end up using worse things than they have now. All We're going to talk more about this when yes. we come back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, on the Mighty 990 and 107.9 FM, KWAM. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back. You are in the Mid-South Garden. We'd like to hear your gardening questions, or you can post them on Facebook Live, 260-5926, that's area code 901, 844-747-8868, and I guess we really don't get a lot of callers because we just talk a lot. But we're just so fascinating that people <laughs> sit and listen and, and, and just learn so much good stuff. And we're just, you know, we're three people who have been in the nursery industry for well, we're not really sure how old Veda is, but you know, we're somewhere a hundred plus years of being. How long we've been in the industry, not our right, age. Right. No. Of course, um, we don't, with Veda, you're not going to know her age. Though. Yeah. So anyway, you know, we've she got a lot of experience from the real world happenings. You know, not from test gardens. We got plenty of help. You know, to yeah. this plant does just wonderful here. Well, you know, plant it in your ground. See mm-hmm. if it does wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. You let know. me test this in this perfect. Condition. Condition. Uh, Jim, <laughs> yeah. I got a question. You were talking about, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Roundup Ready plants. Yeah. That people, you know, large tracts of land, people would grow these plants. They could come back and spray Roundup over it to kill the weeds, suppress the weeds without hurting the plant. Well, when they take potentially Roundup off the market, I mean, eventually that's going to happen. Well, it may, but right now, I mean, it's only coming out of the consumer market because the 30,000 or so lawsuits that are pending yeah. against them are pretty much all homeowners yeah. who oh, who yeah. would have come down with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma anyway. You know, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is the third most common cancer in the country. Mm-hmm. Every year, about 80,000 people come down with it, and about 20,000 die. Okay, mm-hmm. now that, that happens every year. Well... People who have ever sprayed Roundup now are trying to get a piece of the cash mm-hmm. that said, you know, I, well, I sprayed Roundup, you know, every year, so this is why I got it. And and Bear just said, you know, let's just, yeah. we don't want to have to go to trial 30,000 times. Let's just take a chunk mm-hmm. of money here. You guys settle it. Yeah. And we've got judges who are saying no because what happens down the road. But none of them are looking at the science yeah. that says, hey, you know, there it's doesn't cause cancer. Well, do you think, and I know we've got Tom on line one and we'll get right with him, but do you think, I mean, even if they counsel a Roundup product, 
a roundup right on the uh, the homeowner side is still going to be out there on the ag side. It's, it's going to be on the ag side at least here in the United States yeah, okay. for a while. Uh, you know, we do have some countries like say we Mexico that is as beginning. I think theirs is beginning in twenty twenty three that there is there will be no genetically modified crops or products used on them, uh, which means like we have a cotton that produces its own BT, so you don't have boll weevils great thing to have you know but they're not going to be able to grow that but uh, bt's not even I know. a bad thing it's just i know bacillus. it's just you know and they're probably going to end up making exceptions you know it's yeah. like everybody hears that the entire european union has banned neonicotine chemicals well they did but now they've gone back and they've made exceptions yeah. because they grow a huge amount of rape and that's mm-hmm. grown for honey and it's also grown for canola oil mm-hmm. well well, there just isn't anything that does as well as that mm-hmm. and it's if you look at if you're growing it for honey obviously it's not killing the bees mm-hmm. you know right. in canada they grow something like 90 million acres of 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 canola uh, of rape and so you know they're finding they have less issues with the varroa mite and mm-hmm. bees than we have here um yeah. and so you know but there's just nothing that controls the insects better than that, so they've allowed it, and it's and it's not sprayed ever. Yeah. It's it's a seed coating put on when it's planted one time. Yeah, you know right. I mean, when the plants in flower, there, you know, they, everybody said, well, it's moving up through there. Well, some plants it does, some plants it doesn't. Yeah, you know, wouldn't it grow itself out? Well, would it be able the question to do is that? how much will they intake, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's it, the amount is very, very little. And you're talking about massive amount of bees. Now, you know, remember our honeybee crop, our honeybees are a crop. Mm-hmm. They're an invasive species in North, Carolina, in, in North America, and we grow them just like a crop. And this is mm-hmm. not something that's left to chance. I'll plant, you know, a thousand acres of rape, and I'll hope that it gets germinated, you know, pollinated. pollinated. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they have beehives, and, you know, and like they say, two-thirds of the beehives in the country are moved to Southern California in January to pollinate the almond crop. I wonder if traveling makes them stressed. Well, it does stress <laughs> them. That's one yeah. of the things. It brings them out of their dormant period mm-hmm. early. It also has spread the varroa mite all the way across the right. country, mm-hmm. which means that your bees, honeybees that are a wild one out there somewhere, mm-hmm. have likely got the varroa right. mite and died. Mm-hmm. See, so. that's the whole thing is what I'm seeing is they're stressed, and so then they're blaming it on an insecticide. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so again, that's where... But see, this is where you're stuck because I'm going, well, don't transport them, and then we won't have bees dying. You won't have almonds either. But you, exactly. You know, so but what are we going to do? We, yeah. You're looking at, you know, a, a queen bee will lay like a thousand eggs or more a day. That means you've got a thousand bees dying every day. Right. That's a natural process, you know, so. It, well, that's true. That's why I so many picture, are transported. I saw a picture where they had a flatbed truck that was full of yeah. beehives, and they're taking it to a car wash to cool it down. Uh. To a truck wash, right? They had to because yeah. the, the heat was so tough on them. Wow. Oh, this this is intense. Um, let's see. Let's go to Tom. Good morning, Tom. You're in the Mid South Garden. Uh, thank you uh, for taking my call. I'm looking at some resodded area in my front yard, Palisade Zarza. Yeah, where I had a large oak taken down, mm-hmm. 
I'm seeing yellowing. I've been, maybe I've been nurturing it too much. <laughs> How long has that sod been down, Tom? About a month. Okay. How long has the tree been gone? Uh, a week before. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think. Real quick light. Yes, yes. So it's kind of having competition with the sawdust trying to break down, and then you're trying to grow grass, and so the sawdust is pulling all the nitrogen out and then making the lawn yellow. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be a couple of things. What Veda just said. Anytime you have raw wood laying there, which you are going to have some raw wood laying there if they cut a tree down, they can't right. get it all up. Oh, yeah, and and, and, right. and Tom, like she said, you know the 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 natural nitrates that are in your soil, uh, that that sawdust, that that wood material. Uh, that's what's breaking that down is the nitrates. So you need to definitely add some nitrogen to that area, whether it's organic uh, nitrogen like uh, milorganite or blood mill, or whether it's just a fertilizer, a synthetic fertilizer. Well, even some of that humid acid. Put humic some acid. put some All nitrogen right. down. I have, I've got one bag, small bag of ironite, but that wouldn't be enough, would it? Well, I mean, well, that will nitrogen. help. That will help your pH, but there's only a very small amount of nitrogen in there, and that's just in there right. to help ironite do what it needs to do. You you right. you need to get a, just a, a turf builder, good quality nitrogen that's going to give you some quick release plus some long term. Your pH is going to adjust back to your soil ultimately, uh, but just fertilizing it, make sure that you're keeping it well watered right. so that, you know, you get, when you can't pick up the mm-hmm. corners, that's kind of critical. Um, yeah, and, and then you're kind of liking, lacking carbon in your soil, too, to make all of this process. And that's that soil activator. Yeah. So you're saying do both. Yeah. Put the right. soil activator down, put a high nitrogen lawn food down, and like Jim was saying, make sure you keep it moist. But the ironite um, will really help your color. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. go ahead and put that down. You're not going to okay, hurt anything I'll, with I'll, it. I'll have to beat a, a path over to Dan West today. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, Tom, All but right. if you do those, and make sure now, uh, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, you have to water, Tom, but you do not oh, want to keep, do. you don't want to keep that palisade sloppy wet. Well, I'm, uh, sometimes that's hard to determine, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's had, I think I watered. I, I got twenty minutes on the irrigation system yeah. twice yesterday. Okay. No, that's yeah, that, that wouldn't works. be too much. Yeah, yeah, that works. And twice is a good idea, so it can soak in. Yeah. Because you can keep watering and watering and run right off. That's right. Yeah. So it sounds no, like you're doing a good job. Yeah, I don't have any runoff. Yeah. Just, okay. I thank you very much. Thanks, right, Tom. Thanks for thank the you, buddy. Uh, yeah, just a good high nitrate fertilizer. And like I said, they, when they cut those trees down, you know, they typically go in there, even if they grind the stump, they try to remove as much of that raw sawdust as they can. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get it all. You know, they're just not. And the, What's the length of time to wait? We no. usually give a length of time. I mean, you, well, I mean, the sawdust technically would take about six months to mm-hmm. break down totally. Uh, but if you're giving it supplemental nitrogen, it's probably nothing to worry See, about. That's what I've always yeah. thought, too, because back in the day, we would just say, no, you can't even plant there for a year or six months until all that breaks down. But as time progressed, I'm thinking, okay. Now, if you lay that on a pile of sawdust, mm-hmm. of raw sawdust, that's yeah. not a good thing. You right. know? But that's typically, true. there's very 
there's enough for you to see, but it's mm-hmm. not thick enough to cause significant damage if you're watering and if you're fertilizing. Yeah, so he's not going to have an issue. He's just giving it a little more oomph to it, a little more nutrients because yeah. it's all been taken. Everything's trying to compost and do it at the same time. I, laid, I love that palisade so Yeah, I laid uh, a few pieces in, you know, what they call the hill strip between the sidewalk <laughs> and the street there. Um, and in I did what I shouldn't do, you know. I, I, I should have gone in there, you know, and tilled the ground, and all I did was take a weed eater, shear off all the Bermuda, right. and lay it right That's smack right. on top of right. it. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and yesterday, I ran the sprinkler on it for about an hour. It's a mm-hmm. low-volume sprinkler, yeah. um, and I have to do that about every third day right now yeah. because it's the ground is so dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tell with zoysia, you know, it tur- leaves curl and it turns yeah. gray. Yeah. You yeah. know, hit it with water, and it's fine again. It's amazing so, that it can recover like that. Yeah. If you're putting sod down, the way to check when its root is is just go take a piece and see if you can roll it. Yeah, and just if you, if you yeah. pick up a corner. corner. Yeah, just right. see if you can And then it. you can reduce your watering somewhat because the roots have gone a little bit deeper. But the reason why sod, when you get it, the roots are only... How thick is sod? High? An inch? About if an inch. If it's cut properly. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> That's so true because sometimes it's a centimeter. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. see through it. Right, right. So, well, uh, then, you know. And let me, let me clarify. When I said don't keep it sloppy wet, I mean, you can water it to where it's sloppy wet, mm-hmm. but you don't want to keep it yeah. that way. I mean, but you do have to keep the moisture on there. But a lot of times we see people completely overwater uh, seed or sod when they mm-hmm. first put it down. Yeah, sometimes you, you should think of your lawn and landscape compare it to you. When it's really hot, you drink more water. When it's really cool, you don't have to drink as much. Cut back a little bit. Yeah, so kind of think of it like that. All, However, I think we're supposed to drink a huge amount of water daily. <laughs> yeah, like eight glasses. Yeah, that. Anyway, I think we're supposed to. I had to go thinking about that, and I went to another place. So, so let me yeah, get back here. Does, does whiskey count? That's what. Does, I, that's does where I'm count? going. That's yeah. where I was going with this. Okay, we're going to run off to a break, and we'll be right back after this. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Do you have somebody to welcome, Jim? Greenville, Mississippi affiliate uh, that's listening. Um, It's AM 1330, FM 101.1, WNIX, the talk of the Delta. Oh, that's Greenville, you said. Greenville, Mississippi. And they come on board, what, about uh, 8 o'clock? Yeah, Yeah. they're on for the last two hours, and we appreciate them listening. We'd love to hear from somebody down in Greenville. And also, uh, again, we thank our listeners over in uh, Chattanooga, 92.7 FM, Nuga Radio. Perfect. You know I've been trying not to say Nuga Radio. I love it. <laughs> See? <laughs> I just got that it's, snuck in there. It's it's catchy. <laughs> it like is it. so catchy, but also Greenville, Mississippi, not leaving anybody out. And if you want to give us a call here, uh, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, and... For the guys in Greenville or Chattanooga or anywhere else in the world, 844-747-8868. You did some southerness. You said Chattanooga. Chattanooga. You know, put that R's on like the end of everything. Like tomatoes and andiners. Yeah, yeah, I like tomatoes. Of course. Yeah, 
All right, Veda, what about a fertilizer you were thinking about? Oh, you know, remember when this was like in the early 90s and we started introducing organics to Memphis and we we sold the soft rock phosphate Mm -hmm. and the green sand and the lava sand and all those minerals. We did. And uh, then um, actually now it's all mixed together in something. But just now, oh, the reason why we used all those was because the time you know you're providing more minerals to your soil the lava sand conducts energy or uh because you know things grow great in lava and lava rocks not in lava and um it just helped with the energy of the soil and the carbon building and all of that well now farmers are researching that and finding out that if you put that rock dust in your soil that it makes your plants grow better it increases the carbon it took how long to figure that out and we were already talking about this in the early 90s. I know. We knew it. Well, we but also. We didn't want to do it. Right. You have to dump millions of dollars into the research before somebody can well, actually course. say, hey, this yeah. works. Well, because typically when we look at a fertilizer, you see the three numbers. You know, the mm-hmm. nitrogen, the phosphate, the potassium. And that's usually the numbers that we're paying close attention to. But there's also some micronutrients that should be in most of these fertilizers. Uh, and, and now, in you know, good soil, we typically have the micronutrients in there that we need, okay? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the uh, magnesium, the cobalt, the boron, any of those those things. But a lot of these fertilizers now have micronutrients mm-hmm. uh, and macronutrients, but micronutrients added to it. Well, but. when I was learning about this, now this time I'm in Bryan College Station, right next to Texas A&M, right, right at the base of it. And extent, people that were studying to be extension agents would come work for us, sure. so I'd get a free education, well, and then I could go work over there. Well, then the extension agent came down, you know, he came to the garden center a lot. And I said, "Um, why don't y'all do anything organic? And Mm -hmm. he laughed. There's nobody to sponsor organics. Mm -hmm. We're just doing chemical because we get money from that. Yeah, you get sponsors. So there was never any research in that because nobody believed that it worked. So there were no sponsors for it. Well, but you made it that they didn't believe it was work. It was just there wasn't a market. You know, you yeah, got to sell yeah. it. I mean, yeah. if you're going to produce something, you got to have sales, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that it just wasn't there. Because, you know, in the, the 50 years or so that I was active in the retail end of it, I don't know how many lines of organic, organic products, products yep. that came and went, yep. you know. Yeah. And some of them, one of them, uh, and, and I forgot the name of it, Garden, wasn't Garden Safe, but it was uh, the one of the yeah. sons of the Miracle Grow magnets, yeah. you know, who started his own company, and he had a bunch of great products. It's just that you could put them on the shelf, and mm-hmm. you absolutely had to, you sell, had to sell them. them. Yeah. People would not pick them up. And, and, but now the, the, the brand, in my opinion, uh, that uh, a lot of people gravitate to as far as organic products is Espoma, E-S-P-O-M-A. Right. Mm-hmm. right. In fact, you mentioned a lot of those products that we used to buy individually. Well, now they've got these products blended all together in one neat, nice right. little package. Well, that was how, okay, when I was down there, when somebody wanted to come talk to us because we were like the premier garden center on organics and I sold miracle Grow, I sold all kinds of chemicals. I was a pesticide operator and then they wanted to come in and talk about it. But we were looking for another way to be different than Home Depot and Lowe's and all of that. So we decided to go organic. So the guy's telling me about all these things. You don't have to use chemicals and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, wait a minute. 
And I'll tell y'all when we come right back. <laughs> oh, you got to wait six minutes to hear the end of this. I can't stand it. I love it. garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning and welcome back to mid-south gardening and i was going to finish my thing yeah i'm so excited to hear the end of your story yes so uh we were talking about how the little details about how i started learning about organic gardening so they're going to teach us all this wonderful stuff and it was so interesting and all and we were trying to go into organics to differentiate (laughs) there's that word between home depot and lowe's and all of that this is a garden center that was in in texas yeah Bryan okay. College Station right next to A&M. So we were trying to be different because then you could get miracle Grow at Lowe's for cheaper. You can get the insecticides at Lowe's and Home Depot for cheaper. So why would somebody come here? But then when they start explaining to organics and saying you don't have to use as much insecticide, you amend your soil, your plants grow better, all these great benefits. And I said, well, why in the world would I sell that if everything gets perfect and then they won't come back in? <laughs> yeah. And then he, he said, well, they start succeeding. And yeah. then their neighbors see how great. And it's mostly was all about the soil building. Mm-hmm. And when your soil's better, they start succeeding. And then you're wanting to plant more. So we converted all the way over and had lots and lots of garden talks. And it was fantastic. And we didn't quit having business. We just had more. So that was the whole thing. And, and did my y'all thing convert completely? Why, yeah. Yeah, completely yeah. and i was like why would i want to sell this stuff if nobody's going to buy anything because everything's perfect mm. but you brought up an interesting point there um just read a recent study and and the question was is organic produce safer than regular mm-hmm. produce in the grocery mm-hmm. store well there's uh, appears to be some real question about that because um, there are certain products that are approved pesticides that are approved for organic gardening, mm-hmm. okay, and they are organic in nature. Um, and, and I mean, Jim, that would be you know, spinosa, but and, particularly one that's used a lot in the field is a rotenone pyrethrin mm-hmm. combination, right. but th- they're not checked like regular produce is to see what residues on there and what they found was that it takes to get the same amount of insect control organic farmers were spraying seven times Mm -hmm. for every two that other garden Mm -hmm. that weren't being certified as organic gotcha so and there was when you're talking about particularly pyrethrins they're quite toxic. Of course, now we're talking about extremely small amounts anyway. Yeah, okay. I got you. Yeah. But if you're eating it all the time, there is that possibility. And to be organic, you you have to... Every, be certified organic. Everybody pays for that certification. Right. The USDA has, you know, if you're 95% organic, then you can call yourself an organic gardener. Mm-hmm. But they don't actually do the checking. They mm-hmm. have somebody else do the checking. That, And so 
the farmer ends up paying a usually a third party who actually does the checking who then reports to the National Organic Produce Found and they have to pay them for the right to do that and there's a lot of money changing mm-hmm. hands right there say. to be wow. to get certified so there's there's some questionable um practices yeah that, going yeah. on in in really how honest are they being to to carry that organic mm-hmm. label label and the USDA certification you can call yourself organic with less with something like 70% uh organic guidelines i yeah, guess yeah, that you're using yeah. is the right thing as far so, as tilling and replanting or not tilling and you know making sure that if you're raising cows that they can walk out on a pasture right. and they're not just stuck in a barn but somewhere. you're saying they can do up to 70 percent but you're not u.s the, da they approved don't, yes they can say organic but they can't use that usda mm-hmm. certified well see that thing. goes back to the texas i, I mean to the college yeah. <laughs> in texas that they wouldn't do organics because there wasn't the money to support it for the studying and it's the same way still to this day they're not going to get as much money or the people that are doing the research that like the chemicals are definitely going to skew it right right, so so the question to beg jim just what what you just said Mm -hmm. Vaden, what you're talking about jim is of course there there are lots of great products out there insecticides and lots fungicides. of great growers that yes. are doing yeah. the right thing yeah. i mean mm-hmm. that's that's but you're saying though but whether you're growing things and you're using synthetic products man-made products talk about insecticides mm-hmm. fungicides down the list or you're growing things and you're being completely organic um I mean, is there really a difference, though? I mean, you know, you're talking about even on the organic side, you know, a lot of those things aren't being regulated and tested like they are on the other side. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And they should be. They should be. I think so. Yeah. 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 But they're not. And and, uh, so, you know... it, I'm not trying to scare people, not trying to get people not to buy organic or yeah, anything sure, like that. Of course. It's, it's just realize that um, you do some research, you know. Whatever you buy as far as produce, wash it yeah. thoroughly, <laughs> yeah. okay, uh, just to be safe to get – because most of the – they're not systemic chemicals. They're going to be on the surface. So wash them off to make sure that – um, you're you're eating as healthy as you think. Yeah, you of are. course, and I don't care if it's a strawberry, a, a head of lettuce, or mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. any kind of produce that you take right. home, you don't know where that thing has been. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know? like in, in reference to this, the studying and and making things certified for certain things, it just happened with the seaweed. Mm-hmm. Right. You know where right. where they said you can't use it on vegetables because it's got natural arsenic yeah. in it. So anything yeah. that has arsenic in it, they now deem it a herbicide but isn't mill organite for vegetables now yeah and it, it has arsenic in it well all all fertilizers have right. some amount yeah okay Every, they, and soil you, you always soils, hear this yeah. term that hey you know mill organite has got a lot of heavy metals in it well it does have heavy metals but so does every other fertilizer right. that you buy oh. okay so and mill organite was one of those where they've done more testing on that than any other fertilizer that's right. on the market and it is it is organic and there was a case <clears throat> where they had 
Millorganite that was overly contaminated didn't go to the homeowner market. Mm-hmm. It was because a lot of the the vast majority of it goes to farmers. Yeah. Okay, and they were spreading it over fields, and they ended up having to remove soil. And uh, so there there was a time, but that didn't carry over. You know, everybody goes, "Oh, Millorganite did this." Well, they screwed yeah. up once, okay, yeah. but they fixed it. You know, but yeah. to get to to get to the amount of heavy metals that would be toxic to you you'd have to remove about a foot of your soil and replace it mm-hmm. with mill organized gotcha. all over your product. yeah <laughs> all right yeah so. exactly but i love that product by the way all right let's go to jane good morning jane thanks for giving us a call this morning good morning i actually have a couple questions yes. yeah cool um <clears throat> first of all can i thank my husband bought this great soil from you some kind of black garden soil and made himself a raised garden bed to grow tomatoes yes we have had a fabulous tomato that's awesome jane picking great tomatoes the only problem is we didn't make it big enough and we planted too many so it's like a jungle in there (laughs) it always Um, happens (laughs) but we've got little worms going in our tomatoes now my daughter's like "Uh, i'm not eating tomatoes because cut a worm out the other night little bitty green worms what can i do about that that won't hurt my animals that are out in the backyard i mean there are a lot of insecticides uh jane that you can spray uh on those tomatoes now whether it's a permethrin whether it's a spinosad whether it's a bt product uh some of them are man-made some of them organics like we've been talking about anything that you spray with jane you just want to make sure you keep your dog off until it's completely dry you know, other okay. than that, you are perfectly fine to go out there and spray it with any of those. BT is going to be the safest for, you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd have no problem with, you know, even if you had just sprayed your dog ate a tomato, yeah. he's going to be fine. Yeah, but BT is <laughs> only going to kill caterpillars, Jane. That's all it kills. And you've got a tomato fruit worm. They're quite common. Yeah. Um, so... But but yeah, B- I just cut them out and eat the tomato. But my daughter's like, uh-uh. Yeah, <laughs> but BT is organic. Uh, spinosad is organic. Uh, the permethrin is a main a man-made pyrethroid. You know, we use permethrins on a lot of different things. But all of those are safe to use on your edibles, including your tomatoes. But uh, you just want to keep everybody off until it's dry. Okay, so BT, is that what it's called? Well, BT, uh, Bacillus, yeah, BT, I think is under the name of Natural Guard Caterpillar Killer. Okay. Yeah, that contains BT. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And then the other question I have is, I live in an old Victorian house, Mm -hmm. and I've raised five kids, and two years ago, empty nest, I joined Master Gardeners, Mm -hmm. and I've been trying to re-landscape the front of my house and I finally got a fella to help me this summer because it was all overgrown to dig it up and save my grandmother's 120 year old rose bush that's out there and um but it's you know people gave me all these shrubs to plant like somebody gave me an oak leaf hydrangea small one and somebody Mm -hmm. gave me a limelight and somebody gave me something named virginia something or another sweet spark yeah yeah and so um I, I I just want to know when I can plant those, and I'd also love to plant a nobelia bush out there, mm-hmm. mm, so I can get nice. some butterflies for next year. Is now a good time to plant those? I've kept them alive all summer. Mm, that's fantastic. Park. Yes, we <laughs> are. We are coming up on the planting time, and now is a good planting time because it's cooled down some. Yeah. 
But the right. very, very best, if you were ever going to pick a best, wouldn't you say the end of October, beginning of November? Or even the end of September, early October. Yeah. October. Yeah. Just where you don't have to water. Yeah. 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 But, right. but, so, but, October. Yeah, I mean, the end of this month, Jane, I mean, like Veda said, you can do it now. But even better, better uh, is the end of the month, early October. That way you're not dealing with the heat. Uh, but, you know, you still plant them the same way. Dig the hole just as deep, twice as wide. You know, amend that clay soil. Get everything planted. Uh, come back and lightly mulch everything in. And then I always like to use a root stimulator, you know, once a week for two or three weeks after I plant uh, my shrubs. And you'll be perfectly fine. Okay, that sounds great. I'm anxious to get, I think I can keep them. I've, if I've kept him alive through this summer, I think I can keep him alive for another month. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. And, um, yes, are they new beds? Or are they already developed, or are you just kind of like pocket planning? Well, or? the guy killed them up. I mean, they've had nothing really. I've got a few Nandinas that have hung on through mm-hmm. the years, but I've really not done anything to them. They're north-facing. Yeah. Um, and then they come around to the east side. And so uh, I had a guy with a tiller come and till them up and, and put some super soil into both sides. Yeah. And um, so then I've already mulched them. I covered mm-hmm. them up with newspaper and mulched them to keep the weeds out and mm-hmm. put bricks around the outside. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so sounds like you're plant. about ready. Yeah. yeah. Put that uh, abelia around on the east side where it's going to get plenty of sun now. All right. I love those things. I do, too. They're, They're so There's so many varieties well, now. Thanks for the call, Jane. But if you have more questions, just hang on. But we have to run to a break real quick, and we'll be right back. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have a gardening question, give us a call toll-free, 844-747-8868. Yep, and if you're calling from the local number, 901-260-5926, 901-260-KWAM. You know, I was wondering that, well, not wondering, but I've heard this, that if somebody gives you a plant, you should not say thank you, because then it messes up the whole thing. Yeah, you keep trying that, okay? Yeah. It's how many free plants you get. If you don't say thank you. Yeah. But, but, you got a reputation like me. But you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Someone, you better a, say thank you. A gardener you. told me, because I said thank you, and she goes, oh, no, 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 you can't. I didn't hear that. You can't say thank you. Just, well, yeah, pass you can. Along plants. Mm-hmm. I'm like, these things that we get made up, I wonder. But some are scientific. I can hear people based, talking about that in now. You know, I gave her a plant. Psh, she didn't, she didn't say, say thank, thank you. you at all. She yeah. just took it like like she was somebody. Yeah, <laughs> you know. All right, guys. Uh, fall uh, and Veda loves to say it's fall, y'all. We know it's not fall yet, but we know fall is around the yeah. corner. Cooler temperatures in the mornings, which I love. Still gets hot during the day. Cooler temperatures at night, and that's just the way it is this time of year, right? The important thing is the ground stays warm well and yes, it does. Um, The root development on what you're about to plant. Yeah, true that, Uh, and that's why fall is a great time to plant, Mister Jim. Uh, What about trees, y'all, with beautiful fall color? You know, a lot of people. You know, we plant a tree because we like the way the you know the foliage looks during the growing season. We like the way it blooms. We like the size of it. Mm-hmm. We like that it shades our house on the western side in the summertime, right? Well, a lot of people still plant trees because, and the only thing they're thinking about mm-hmm. is fall color. For example, right. uh, let's go with uh, a ginkgo, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, ginkgos have that butter yellow, beautiful 
leaf in the fall. You, there's not, a, to me, a, if, as far as the yellow tinges yeah, go, there's yeah. not a prettier tree in the fall than a ginkgo. That's true because it's so vibrant. Yeah, that's the prettiest Beautiful. yellow. Better than a sweet gum, better than some of the crepe myrtles that get yellow yeah. blooms, and beta, flowers. You know, Leaves. Yep, the uh, <laughs> maples. You know, there yeah. are tons of beautiful maples out there. Mm-hmm. You know, Red Sunset, October Glory, uh, you know, Blaze, Improved Blaze. I mean, they're sugar maples, beautiful maples. Uh, dogwoods, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I love the color, that, that reddish, burgundy, orangey look of dogwood yeah. foliage in the fall. Uh, sweet gums, you know, but then mm-hmm. you got the sweet gums you got to yeah. mess with, even though there are some gumless sweet gums on the market now. <laughs> and then some black gum. Yeah, oh, black gum, absolutely mm-hmm. must have. If you've got a fairly large area and you want that just red yeah. foliage, um, black gum, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't, go, you can't wrong. go wrong. Japanese maples. Yeah, that's you know? definitely one. Do we say crepe myrtles? No, crepe myrtles, yeah. I mean, some years better than others, yeah. but you can have beautiful crepe myrtles out there. Autumn blaze, maple. Yeah, like I said, all the maples. There's all October glory. Okay, this is... I love the fall. I love the fall, and all these fall colors are fantastic. And then when it comes to shrubs with some winter interest, mm-hmm. uh, camellias. Of course, yeah. there are a lot of them that bloom in the fall, early winter, you know, in the winter. Mm-hmm. So, and they're evergreens. So that definitely is a shrub with great winter interest. Uh, pyracanthus. Mm-hmm. You know, I've the got. Berries. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Lord, they're, you know, some years they are just loaded, Veda, Jim, as you know, with either red or orange berries out there. And especially the ones that have been espaliered uh, against a wall and they've been mm-hmm. trimmed, you know, in that in those beautiful shapes. And then they come out with the berries in the fall. Uh, a great plant to have. Beautyberry, Calicarpa, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, one we, of my favorites. And they have those, yeah. you know, those great looking purple berries on them even now right or, or white there's a white berried variety that's uh, spectacular yes. so it, uh, one of the best ones yeah. out there as far as fall color mm-hmm. uh the winterberry the deciduous hollies you know oh, kind of right. yeah, reminds yeah. me of the pyracanthus except these are not against a wall they're more of a shrub mm-hmm. uh, when the leaves fall off what you're left with are just millions of red right. berries out there yeah, you know? well, we're fixing to run to a break, but someone just texted me, and I probably know who they are, but I lost my contact, so I just get phone numbers. But her grandmother told her it was bad luck to thank someone for a plant. So you're supposed to say, I appreciate your gift. Well, that's, that's telling them thank you, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, or I appreciate you, you for thinking of word. me. Thank you. Yeah, oh. just I appreciate the gift, or Causes I appreciate you thinking about me. That's, see, we're talking about some voodoo stuff there. No, but see, there's more words than thank you, so the extra oxygen that you gave the plant. Jim debunks <laughs> these myths all the time. I know. And you just brought up another I one. I almost don't even want to say them, but at least somebody took that for me. We'll be right back. <laughs> Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, on the Mighty 990 and 107.9 FM, KWAM. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back. We have about 20 minutes left in our third hour. And we have some callers, so we're going to go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, Mark. Good morning to you, buddy. Oh, got a, a small front yard uh, with a lot of shade, and there's a, a big 
corner in it now after I, I did a lot of major pruning back where my fescues turned brown, of course. Um, the question is, um, what? I, well, I'm assuming that I should uh, just leave that corner alone when I when I plant my fescue, and what should I put in it, and 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 when? Well, you're right. I mean, if you plant fescue in that area, Mark, uh, that's getting uh, a lot of sun, the fescue is going to look great in the fall, the winter, and the spring because it's cool, right? But next summer, when it starts to get hot, any fescue that gets too much sun is going to burn out, okay? So typically in those areas, you'll see either Bermuda or Zoysia growing, but that's why a lot of times in people's yards, you see one, two, sometimes even three different types of grasses. But if you put fescue out there or ryegrass out there, like I said, it's going to look great until it gets hot next year. But then you're going to either have to put Bermuda or zoysia uh, in that area because it's getting a lot more sun than the other areas. Is there a certain time of the year when I would do that? As far as fescue goes, you can start planting fescue now uh, and then again in the early spring. As far as Bermuda and Zoysia, Bermuda seed you need to wait till probably around mid-May. Zoysias are available about the same time, uh, but it's going to be at least mid-May of next year for Bermudas and Zoysias. Okay, well, now I heard you guys talking about um, the uh, not putting pre-emergent out now or whatever. When, When should... Well, you do put a pre-emergent down this time of year, just not in the same area that you're going to put any seed down because it's going to keep all seed from coming up. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, do I just don't? I just just wait till the weeds come up and just. just yeah. yeah, that's how, so how hard much to say. how much shade is this area going to get? Uh. Well, now now I'm kind of talking about the whole yard, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the whole yard as a as a rule. I mean, um, several hours the shade. I mean, uh, m- most of the day actually. Yeah, yeah. of shade. Big. Most of the day it's shade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but Dwight. Uh, I mean, uh, Mark, talking about the the, the pre emergent. Any area that you're not going to put seed down, you can put the pre emergent down. Any area that you are going to put the seed down, of course you can't. But then you're always between a rock and a hard place because you can't use any herbicide on that turf until it's considered established. And it's not considered established until it's been cut at least three times. And then a lot of times, by that time, it's too hot to use a herbicide. So you're, you're always between a rock and a hard place trying to kill weeds mm-hmm. in fescue in particular. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. All right. All right Thank Mark. you, Mark. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, That's buddy. a great question because that is the whole pre-emergent thing. How many people have come in and been really upset because their seed didn't come up, and it's because they applied a pre-emergent? It happens right. every year. Well, I always have to add that clause to it. And let's go to Dwight. Good morning, Dwight. Thanks for the call. Good morning. Y'all were talking about uh, some lady called in, and but she had a 100-year-old uh, tree or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, handed down and i i thought of my sister who lives in uh, decatur alabama and she's uh, 11 years older than me Mm -hmm. good old decatur yes sir yeah well she uh her she had a has a uh red maple in her yard was just so red uh one of the 
local newspapers uh, took a picture of it, put it in the paper, and uh, we talk about that on uh, numerous occasions. And any time it comes up, I'm glad to hear it again. <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. I, I, by the way, I've got a red maple in my yard. It, yeah. It's kind of sort of red, but not like hers. But I think because it stands out by itself. There are no other trees around it. Yeah. And then... Uh, and also, I, I've i got, uh, when my parents died, I got a uh, uh, August lily from their yard, and I've got them here, and I gave one to my uh, brother, and he's passed, and I talked to his wife a couple of days ago, she's in Michigan, mm-hmm. north of Detroit, and she said her August lily has uh, put out more blooms than ever so it's oh. a i think it's fantastic yeah that's one of the ways we remember oh yes people. Indeed, oh, and yes. i say that all the time you know a lot mm-hmm. of times we reminisce when we heard when we hear a certain song you know you reminisce back mm-hmm. when you first heard it or when we smell something you know like some kind of food but to me mm-hmm. also i reminisce when i see a particular a plant or a tree. I mean, when I, every time I see a blooming hydrangea, I swear to you, I think about my grandmother's mm-hmm. house when I was probably 10 years old. You know, so that's a good thing, Dwight. I agree with you. It is. And uh, uh, my dad moved into, mom and dad moved into the place uh, by Athens, and there wasn't a tree on the whole property. <laughs> and he went out in the woods, uh, of course, and he would somehow mark them. Uh, he'd see saplings and put a, a string or whatever on it, mm-hmm. and in the fall winter he'd go dig it up. And before they passed, he there were several yeah. out there mm-hmm. that he had dug up. You know, so anyway, it is a great way to to think to about to reminisce. Yeah, exactly. It is. Well, Hi, thank, Dwight. You, Dwight. thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, you were asking a little while ago about uh, the other topic, and we were going to talk about why we get good color some years, oh, right. and That's it. not good color right. some and years. We're talking yeah. about fall color, right? And okay. And first of all, if you're not a member of our Mid South Gardening Facebook group, you should join because there's lots of good information there. But we have a file in there that get list plants that you plant for fall color and it's divided so that you know what's red what's yellow what's purple what's orange so you can look in there and and the only tree that in there that gets all four of those colors is a sweet gum so there (laughs) it's and i did have sweet gum mentioned uh remember on my uh, trees with fall color now and and like you say there are some fruitless Sweet gum, so it's 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 great for taking water out of the ground, and it's yeah. just wonderful fall color. Hey, what about the? Um, because I saw this and was wondering about it. The uh, liquid liquid lumbar, liquid the, lumbar, the, the, yeah, the black the skinny. gum. No, that's a. Oh that yeah, a, there's no. One, that's the. Hold on, sweet gum. Sweet gum. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, but it's a skinny one. Does there, it get fall color? Yes, it does. Okay, and again, that's the calmer shape. Bunch of sweet gum. Yeah, I like that. Let's see, yeah, we'll quickly talk about this. We've got some colors we want to get to. But, okay, what happens is you can have sugars in that in the plant, you know, and as the it stops producing, it starts eating those sugars, the greens, the chlorophyll. And that happens first. late in the year, right? Right. If we get warm days and very cool nights, those they, the abscission layer forms, and it locks those sugars in the leaf. Okay, and so that's what gives us the best fall color as it begins then to to 
take that sugar, right. you know, and use it. So uh, if dry helps, mm. if it's wet, we don't get as pretty a fall. Uh, so it's, um, that's what gives you the good fall mm-hmm. color is just hot, warm days, a little bit dry, and very cool nights. And, well, so far, check, check, check. But we, know? we need some water soon, though, to yes. keep the fall colors fl- fluffy. Fluffy? Vibrant. <laughs> Who changed my brain around this morning? They well, put the left on the right and the right on the left. But it is funny how some years, I say funny, I mean, it, it happens how some years, you know, you see those brilliant colors mm-hmm. out there, and some years you don't. But, Jim, like you just said, that's mostly weather related right. though yeah mm-hmm. the whole thing yeah because when you go to different zones you've got different colors or the colors are more vibrant because of their weather right and the okay. tree sitting out like he said by itself it gets more sun and that you'll uh-huh. get uniform color all over the place yeah. it's one of the things that i've never liked about the calorie pairs like yeah bradford and all those yeah it you'll get color on one side <laughs> you do you know and then it slowly moves the other and the other side goes naked because the side that's in more sun you're getting that more instant color that with tree, us that tree shows know. it, it more. would be so much prettier if it would just have color all over yeah. it but it doesn't do that yeah um, you get all kinds of trees in one mm-hmm. we're gonna go to a break and then we'll get our callers when we come back we got grant this and jamie mid-south garden we'll be right back the mighty 990 kwam and mighty 990.com Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. It's been wonderful our three hours, and we have some callers. Let's go to Grant. Good morning, Grant. Hi, good morning. Hey, Grant. Appreciate the call, buddy. Yes, sir. I had a question um, about foliar feeding. Mm-hmm. and um, I've got a product that's a kelp and humic blend that's in a powder form, and the, the manufacturer says that it's much more effective to feed it foliar. I just like you so and, and, and much, Jim Grant. Crowder is falling out of his chair, yeah. Grant, if you could and, just see him. <laughs> and it's a subject that's always interested me, like how mm-hmm. to you know, maximize the performance of a plant. And, and so I guess I'm, I'm curious as to what time of the year you should do that, if it's cooler. you know, they, When you read about it, they talk about uptake through the samata mm-hmm. uh, yeah. underneath the leaves, and it's kind of hard to apply it underneath the, mm-hmm. the leaves. But if there's no – is there much validity to it? Because the manufacturer says it's eight to ten times more effective foliar than it is through the ground. Is it not the right time of the year to be doing it? That's What's a great opinion yeah. of foliar feeding. That's a that, Jim's. Def, we've all got opinions. I've used it in th- uh, foliar feeding. No, I don't feeding. have opinion. I have science. Well, let no, me say this no, before no, y'all no. say anything. I have experience. <laughs> I have got experience. Let me say this. That's First it. of all, kelp, liquid seaweed, and yeah. humic acid. Those are wonderful products, and they're blended together in a powder form that he's going to mm-hmm. dilute. Are you going to use this outside? <laughs> Hope so. Right outside. Okay. okay all good. right. This is outdoor plants. Okay. All right. Well, from the science point of view. Yes, you can get some in the stomata if it's open. If it's not, it ain't going in. But once it's in there, plants do not take stuff back and then into the plant and then out to other foliage. Um, You're going to get almost no movement of that fertilizer inside the stomata. Even if it makes it in there. Spray feeding plants... 95% plus sits on the leaf until the next time it gets rained on and it washes it to the ground and then it becomes effective. 
Okay. Gotcha. Um, the root uptake. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then that's my, where you're going to get most of your benefit. So my theory it doesn't hurt it. to spray it on the foliage, but you'll get almost no entry in there. There are on the top of a leaf, there, on, there are very, very, very tiny little pores. Okay. Now, they are surrounded by a negatively charged row of cells. And so things like nitrite and nitrate, which are also negatively charged, are repelled from that. They can't get in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, formalde- urea, formaldehyde, urea can get in it because it has no charge. But, again, you get almost none in, in those little cells. Okay, So the best thing to do is spray feed it. That's fine. But then come back and water it or let it rain and let it wash down into the soil. And you're gonna, that's where you're going to see the benefit. And you can think that, oh, it's because I sprayed it on the foliage. It makes you feel better. But the science behind it says it's going through the ground. That's amazing. And what I've um, learned is... It's the microorganisms, all the beneficial things that are in it are getting into the plant, processing, making the plant work faster, which makes it pull the nutrients out of the soil faster. So um, I've always sprayed, and I've seen good results, but as well, it's dripped off into the soil also. I just sprayed a fish emulsion mix all in the mm-hmm. garden center after we closed. On the foliage? Smell mm-hmm. All in the foliage. Yeah. But also I went down under the foliage and hit the soil, and I sprayed it really full where it's dripped off down into the soil as well. But before, I sprayed it all the time. Was I lucky out of the 10 years? Maybe so, right. but now, it worked. Because what of the what? Time of the year, though. What, all the that's, time. Anytime. Yeah. 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 yeah with, you're looking at minor amounts of nitrogen. You're not going to force any growth. You could spray that product just about any time you wanted to. Okay. It's going to get the most benefit for growing when the soil temperature is rising and it's putting out buds next spring. But you could do it now, and you're going to get a lot of benefit from it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. All That's right. Really great information. Hey, thanks thank for you. calling this morning. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate the call. I wonder why there's two different methods. I because, mean, like, again, science What do you comes mean two different from, methods? I'm sorry. Uh, organic and chemical. Because, like... That's um, well, because with, some people want it. But, you know, plants mm-hmm. can't eat organic nitrogen. They can't. It's but maybe big. I don't need nitrogen. But, but also, but why, <laughs> At the moment. why do we see on a lot, on, on tons of liquid plant foods, mm-hmm. even uh, powdered plant foods like Grant was talking about, where it says dilute the product and it gives you a foliar application right. and it gives you a soil application. But most of them recommend that you spray it on the foliage or the time we had the soil soup that had all the microorganisms in it and you sprayed it on like fatinia and i mean it's not like i just came up with this people came in and and told me about their experiences but then they didn't have that problem the endosporium leaf blight on the fatinias some some of those microbes actually feed on the fungal spores that are on there so there there are some other benefits Mm -hmm. by doing that but uh, but but i mean but most Liquid plant foods, have it on there, yeah. spray it on the foliage. And I wonder why they do that. It's because they I manufacture wonder. a sprayer to put their product in. 
Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Miracle Grow has a Miracle Grow sprayer. You put it in there. You mix it. You spray your foliage. The important thing is that you're doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But even and you're going to get. But fertilizer. even some of the Fox Farm products like Big Bloom and Grow mm-hmm. Big and Tiger Bloom and every yeah. one of those have a recommendation yeah. for spraying right. it on the foliage. Some of the minor nutrients like calcium can yeah. be absorbed mm-hmm. into the plant. Yeah. Now, but they don't move outward. You yeah. know, calcium mm-hmm. only moves up through the plant mm-hmm. from the roots. Gotcha. So, you know, you'll get yeah. some benefit. You'll get some iron in there. Mm-hmm. But it's... it's. But um, still, as far as overall, you're getting that uptake through the roots when it comes to a fertilizer. Yes. All right. So you used the term while I go between a rock and a hard place. There's one of those terms. So I was wondering what that meant. And uh, this one came from the 1900s. And it came from the economic crisis when men were mining on the face of the rock and they didn't want to but they had to because you had to have money so between a rock and a hard place meant you have to make a choice but neither one of them are good and that's where that originated and we're between a rock and a hard place if we don't get to jamie really quick we got one minute you're on jamie (laughs) (laughs) hey jamie good morning to you buddy that's where I stay. Yes. <laughs> Between a rock and a hard place. Yes, sir. It seems like I wake up that way. <laughs> right. Anyway, y'all talking about fall gardening or whatever. I'm not so interested in fall gardening as I am the spring gardening mm-hmm. and this type of stuff. So, look, I just read in the paper that uh, my groceries are going up 8% or whatever. Is that going to affect the plants that I buy next fall? Are y'all pretty much in line with the national thing? Are y'all going to? It's going to go up like everything It's else. happening yes. now. It's yeah. insane, the freight. And one of, the freight's going way up, but one of the other things is the, the demand has been so great the last two years. Plants are, they can charge more because right. there's just not any out there. So the, these companies are going to take advantage and of that. And the freight, yeah. like Beta said, is just exactly. going to the roof. Yeah. We were getting hard goods in. $16,000 order cost 7000 to get here. Crazy. What are you going to do? We will see y'all next Saturday. We have loved, loved these three hours with you. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining us.